featuring sports stories with Denny Lennon, the home of the CAC Dosen Award-nominated Best Video Podcast Series. Please leave a message. Uh, yeah, hi, uh, Denny. This is uh, this is Bruno Kirby calling. I just want to say that, uh, you know, I, I like the show and everything. I'm a big sports fan, but I, I wish you would show Marley more and uh, Christine more. Instead of your ugly mug up there looking like a, you know, wannabe John Elway sort of. And, uh, you know, but other than that, I like the show. And, uh, you know, Gilbert's is a great place to have Mexican food. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Anyway, good luck with this whole thing. But you might want to cover up that mug. The year I was born, 1964, our 36th president. Lyndon Baines Johnson, led the battle to push through the landmark Civil Rights Act. The Beatles changed music history forever with their appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show. And perhaps the greatest coach in sports history, one John Robert Wooden, led the UCLA Bruins to the first of their 10 championships over a 12-year span. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan. One that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Hello, sports historians. Welcome to audio video podcast number 75 of Sports Stories with Denny Lennon, our diamond episode. The Ides of March are upon us. That means March Madness is coming. We're getting fired up. We're going to put the focus on the greatest coach in March Madness, NCAA basketball history, none other than John Wooden. We're going to go a two-parter. And in this first part, producer Marley Rice, Who's going to be in it? So we're going to have three of our guests that spoke about John Wooden in their interviews, and we're just going to go back to back to back with them. So I hope you guys enjoy these three snippets of our interviews, first with Andre McCarter. Then we move on to Sam Lagana, and we finish up with the one and only Randy Rosenblum. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with John Wooden. He's a two-time All-American from Overbrook High School in Philadelphia, the famous Overbrook High School. He's a 1975 national champion. Let's bring him on. He's coming by phone, Andre McCarter. Hi, Andre, you there? Hey, Denny, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thank you for all of your efforts on uh, coming on the show. Much appreciated. Oh, no problem. Very exciting. I got to tell you, Andre, um, my youth uh, was tied so closely into your UCLA teams because I was born in 64, so by the time I was really catching up with the Bruins, I was anywhere seven, eight years old and jumped on that bandwagon, but man, that 75 team was my team, and 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 you're the guy that took him to that championship. Yeah, that's a great time, and uh, especially for a little boy, I'm sure, you know, this uh, time to see uh, a team that was winning all the time probably gave you a good foundation that you got to work hard and do good things to, you know, try to reach the top, and it wasn't easy, but it was fun. And it was a great time, an unbelievable basketball time. Absolutely. Uh, Coach Wooden often spoke about your team, and he didn't often single out players uh, or teams, but he did just seem to single out that team an awful lot about, you know, how much he enjoyed coaching that team. Did you did you kind of feel that? Because you had certainly been part of the program for a while. Did you feel that that particular year? 
Uh, yeah, it was different because, you know, he had um, a team that I was a part of earlier on that had won 88 straight games, and that and, you know, equates to about two NCAA undefeated seasons. I mean, they went 60-0 and and broke Bill Russell's record um, by going 61 games straight because Bill Russell won two at USF in college. And so it was a big deal, and that team had, you know, after you keep going to the mountaintop, it can be difficult to keep climbing that mountain again. And, it'd be, you know, guys, no matter how much you try, you know, some guys get a little, not big headed, I don't mm-hmm. want to say, but just feel like, you know, they could just do it again without remembering, making sure all the little mm. you know, details that Coach was so good at that they were still important to win. And so I think he felt the pressure uh, because of Bill Walton and, and uh, similar like when um, Lou Alcindor was at UCLA, that you were supposed to win. And that's another pressure that Coach Wooden had to deal with. Mm. In fact, you know, those teams you were supposed to win three in a row. Which, which so, was, was ridiculous. Like that's th- Those expectations are ridiculous when you consider how many great teams were out there in those days, how many great players, you know, were, right. were across the landscape. And it was, it's just, it's unreal what you, what your teams did achieve. Right. Well, yeah, when you played every game, um, the opponent, you know, you're talking about a target on the, on the back or the front or whatever, whatever you want to call it. You definitely had that because you were the target every time someone played, they tried <laughs> to get it good. But to answer your question about the, and then in 75, I think um, they thought they had wooden, you know, they had wooden this time. You're not going to win. Bill Walton's gone. Jamal Wilk's gone. This guy's going, that guy's going from the, that, those, those, that group of teams, part of our team, that they just felt like, you know, they had one. So for us, we didn't cause you know, it's trouble for Coach. Um, I think other team did a lot, but just had different personalities. And our team was just wanting to prove itself. Myself and Pete Turgis, we were overlooked. People, you know, didn't realize the sacrifices we made to play at UCLA. They didn't think we were as good as we ended up showing that we were. And they thought, you know, UCLA didn't have the, you know, the manpower to uh, win another championship. So they figured this was it for Wooden after, you know, North Carolina State beat us in 1974. That was going to be the end of Wooden. Yeah. Yeah. Same, the same way they, uh, Andre, I think the same way they kind of under, like it was that, it was that swing year between um, Alcindor and Walton when they didn't realize Wicks and Rowe were coming at you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Very good. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you, you and Turkovich were, you know, Coach Wooden singled you guys out as perhaps the best defensive backcourt he ever had. That's good. That's a that's high high praise. Yeah, well, you know, um, that is something because he didn't very rarely did it, and you know, Pete and I were known for other things that we, you know, are known for. You know, myself ball handling, and passing, and all these other things. And you know, I used to be a walking triple double in high school. And Pete was a scoring machine. We used to call him, you know, Pistol Pete Turkovich, you know, <laughs> so he could score points and all, but he had to make sacrifices too. So you didn't get to see all that, you know, uh, in the in Coach Wooden's system because we had so many great players. But when the time was needed to, to bring it out, you know, we brought it out to, to take care of the business at hand to prove that we belong with the other championship teams too. <laughs> That's so great. It's, it's so exciting to talk to you and to just – you know, dip in this this part of history uh, of what's, you know, just NCAA basketball has changed a lot over the years. But back then, it was such an important part of both regional and national landscape. And, and it was such a point of pride in Los Angeles. So you came from Philadelphia in the Overbrook High School, this legendary high school that 
Will Chamberlain, Walt Hazard, and others had come from. And and how was it that that UCLA was on your on your radar and you would come out to Los Angeles? Well, um, Lou Alcindy was had a, a big part to do it. Who you know is now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And I grew up we used to play New York Philadelphia games uh, growing up, and um, so. You know, we knew the New York players, and New York players knew us. And we, each age group, 12, 14, 14, 16. So I grew up in that system of doing that every year. And so we learned about the New York players. They learned about us. And I, I was taught play, to play basketball to win. And that's what I did in high school. It wasn't that I was, you know, the greatest, you know, athletic person. It's just that my IQ in the game and my ability to see the game and handle the ball and, do, and just do whatever it took to win. Um, is how I played. So I was attracted to a winner like him that won all these games in high school. I actually tried to duplicate some of the records he did in high school just as far as winning, even though he was a center and I was a guard. When you came out west, I understand one of your early roommates was uh, Craig Impleman, who's been on our show. Uh, people that watch our show will remember Coach Imp, uh, you know, grandson-in-law to Coach Wood. And, and he's quite the character, Andre. I would imagine he, he was a lot of fun to room with. Yeah, he's one of the first guys I came with, and um, I fixed him a meal that he'd probably laugh about. I'm not going to tell him, tell the audience what was in the meal, but it was good. <laughs> he said, I've never seen anybody cook that like that before. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we got along, and he, he was um, very like a gym rat type of guy, so I liked being around him because he was a basketball guy. You know, he just loved to play basketball. And, uh, you know, he wasn't on a team or anything, but he loved basketball, so he'd come in the gym and, you know, and whatever I wanted to do or he wanted to do playing basketball, we, we would get at it. So it was a good first roommate to get to bring my comfort level, being so far away from home and, you know, connecting in with somebody. So Craig was the first step in, hmm. you know, bringing comfortability to me here in Los Angeles. I would imagine uh, there was quite a transition for you, not only coming, you know, from the East Coast to the West Coast, but then Coach wouldn't want to break down your game and kind of move you towards being a facilitator away from being a scorer. Is, is that accurate? Yeah, but it's, I don't, you know, it's not a matter of coach breaking down. You know, you know, obviously I've had years, and I'm writing stuff about it mm -hmm. um, as, as we're speaking, mm -hmm. and have and have been writing stuff about all of this stuff. But mm -hmm. it's not so, and so I put a lot of thought in it is what I'm trying to say. So, mm -hmm. but um, it's not so much breaking the game down. I played to win. That's what I came to UCLA to prove. I can go with the best and continue to win. And that's what I wanted to do. So that was my mindset. It wasn't, I played basketball to win. People kind of walk over that. Mm. I, I wasn't caring about the points and, you know, who was the star. I wasn't, I wasn't into that when I was the star in Philadelphia. I wasn't into that. I wanted to win and play good basketball. Well, Coach Wooden, you know, ended up, it, it, it felt like that in the beginning, like what you said about breaking down my game or whatever. But now I look back at Coach Wooden, it would have took the win. Mm. And, you know, you have all these players. You got Bill Walton. He's shooting, uh, I don't know, 67, it's almost 70% from the field. You got Jamal Wilkes. He's shooting even a 15-footer, you know, around 60% or so from the field. You got guys, Richard Washington, great shooter. Dave, I mean, there's a lot of people that can score. So if everybody did what they could do, and I started doing what I could do because I would dominate the ball because I had you know, got the rebound and get the ball to me. When mm -hmm. an offense, you get a so, I, you know, I could have drove to the basket a thousand times. Now, I could have got 30 a game and 10 assists, which was my normal hookup when I played basketball. But will we win the championship? Right. So right. that's the question. Would I get in the way of Walton? And I'm taking shots that I can give it to Walton. He's shooting 70% from the field or whatever. 
So, you know, when you look at it more, um, you know, with time going by, you see that Coach Wooden did whatever it took. And that's all he was about. You know, he wanted to get the guys to um, play together and be the best that they can be. And most of the time, if you did those two things, you're going to win without him having to say, you know, go out there and win. He trained you. Yeah. And, and and so tell me a little bit about that 1974 team. I, I You know, the uh, favorite part of doing this um, and getting to interview guys like yourself is diving in. And I'm fortunate to live in this age where YouTube still can have some of this game footage. And so I was able to watch not only your 75 national championship game, but the 74 semifinal game against um, North Carolina State. And David Thompson was something else, boy. He was something else. Boy. Oh, yeah. He was something else. Oh my goodness! And you know, you know, Tom Burleson played a really good game. Um, did you, did you, did you feel like that game got away from Coach Wooden a little? And I, I'm going to say this, and I'm the biggest Coach Wooden guy, but it just seemed like North Carolina State dictated pace throughout that game, and they they pulled well, it out, and it just it seemed like they did a yeah. really good job of managing yeah. the game. Yeah, let's back up a little bit. Sure. So first of all, you know, Coach Wooden. Uh, had some tough decisions to make. You got to understand the team that won his championship in 1975 was on the bench. Mm -hmm. I played every minute in 1975 and they added an extra game. That's a little bit of history. You added an extra game in 1975. It used to be four games you had to win to win the national championship. Mm -hmm. So they added a fifth game, which was another whole story that I write about, but I'm not going to get into that now. Mm -hmm. So Coach, is sitting there and so here's a guy, here's a person, you take it into like personal relationships. Here's the girl you've been going to the dance with. You went to the dance with her, the school dance, went to the prom with her. You know, you had your summer vacation with your families and you went with her. Now you get to this one point where it's a real important situation and who are you gonna go with? What girl? <laughs> what girl? You yeah, easy choice. With the I'm not going with the girl that, that, that got me 88 straight wins. I'm <laughs> yeah. going with the that won the last two NCAA championships undefeated. Right. I'm going, and that's the part that um, in later you know discussions with Coach um, that he and I debate over because what we needed, he actually had it on the bench, but it was a tough decision for him. So I'm, I don't think he, mm. you know, you, you can look at it however you want to. I mm. think he just went what you know, he thought was the guys that got him what had their dad gotten them and they, they would come back and do it again. But um, looking, you know, looking at it, some of the coaches, you know, tried to say, you know, maybe they need to get me in because we really need a ball handling. You mm -hmm. know, despite mm -hmm. everything that happened, about a minute and 45 seconds left, mm -hmm. we're up by seven. It never happens. So it, it was some things, some signs of problems that, you know, um, little things that were popping up. And maybe for some reason, coach didn't look at it that way. He just had confidence in these guys. These guys sure. had done a lot for him. Yeah. And I think he just went with his instinct there instead of saying, hey, you know, I got these young guys over here. They got talent. <laughs> you know, they can, uh, and you're talking about handling the ball and keeping the ball safe. That yeah. was my expert. I'm AKA the dribbler in the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. I love that you just so, broke that down for me. That's, that's brilliant. I really, uh, I, I understand exactly what you're saying, and it, it makes perfect sense. You know, it makes perfect sense. I understand that even at coaching at lower levels, uh, you know, going with the people who, who got you there. And that makes right. sense because, like you mentioned, um, you know, there was a minute 45, you had a seven-point lead. 
that should have been iced. And um, you were sitting right there next to him. But the fact of the matter was, you know, those guys, those guys are on the court. They did. They were the ones who were part of that 88 game win streak. Yep. Yeah. Wow. That I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know what? Now I'm feeling a lot better about coaching that game, Andre. Feel a lot better. Feel a lot better. Well, now, when you read the stuff I write, you're going to really feel like you know something. Because <laughs> I really take you in. I'm just giving you a surface. <laughs> I love it. Okay. We'll Amazing. look forward to that. Make sure that we, uh, we're we able to push that. Now, in the 1975 season, um, you uh, you guys had uh, another, you know, tremendous season. And as you mentioned, they added, added another round. And then I think we're looking at a picture – just so you know, oh, by the way, I wanted to let you know, I popped on my UCLA hat to interview you, Andre. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I did. And so that, that 1975 semifinal, um, it was interesting that the year before you're back in Greensboro, I think, and so you're playing basically in North Carolina State's, you know, hometown. And then this this year in 75, the schools had to come out west and they went down to the San Diego Sports Arena, which I've always, you know, called one of the worst arenas that was ever built. But you guys were able to um, to pull out the victory, and that was a big one over Louisville in overtime against Denny Crum, who used to coach, of course, on Coach Wooden's staff. Yes, yeah. So we were playing ourselves somewhat. Mm. Mm. Yeah, they you know, they had players at every position: the quickness, you know, the um, athleticism, and you know, the, the, you know well coached Denny Crum teams. And so it was a very difficult win. Um, but like I said, you know, that year, um, we weren't going to be denied. And it, it actually, you know, it, it, it took all that to win the overhaul time and this and that and other. But it, it was something about our team that we weren't going to be denied. And we, we stuck in there, never gave up. And, uh, and I tell some more in-depth stories about what happened there. But, yeah, we just yeah. never gave up. Yeah, we never felt we were going to lose. And we just knew we had to win. And I was a big uh, Marcus Johnson fan, uh, you know, because he was uh, a Crenshaw High School guy. So I knew he was out our way. And it was so fun to see him break through and have such a good tournament. Can you tell me a little better, or uh, hopefully I, I portrayed, you know, with accuracy, you guys, uh, the, the, the what Coach said to you after the semifinal game about how Monday night would be his last game? Yeah, well, that um... – that story's, you know, been told. Mm -hmm. So basically, uh, after the game, coach didn't really like the media to always just like pounce on you anyway. Mm. So he had a little thing that was a little different that they didn't like, uh, especially I guess from when Kareem was there. You know, mm -hmm. so I, he um, when we came in, he basically shut the door on the media. You know, I mean, you know, because, I mean, it's pandemonium at this point. You don't want people jumping all around. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Get in the locker room and um, he closes out the media and it's just us in there. And he just told the guys, well, hold up. I'm, I'm like, I got something to tell you guys, you know. So we kind of gather together. One of them, he says, you know, this is, to, you know, Saturday uh, is going to be my last, you know. Mm. So we were like, you know, I mean. I still had another year with them, and yeah. some other guys, younger guys, they, you know, their careers, Gavin Smith and Jimmy Spillane's and them type of people, they still had three, four years mm. expecting Coach wouldn't to be their coach. So now this guy's saying, got there. Mm -hmm. Type of people, um, coaches, this is the 
this next game is it. Mm. You know, I just, after it sunk all in, I just said, well, you know, he's sending coach out as a winner, period. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, period. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. I even, you know, I pulled the Joe name if you want to put it up. Yep. Oh, man. Hey, yeah, but we weren't predicted to win, though. Once again, they they had in the paper, sure enough, the next day, Kentucky's too strong and powerful. They got this and that. They got a, you know, <laughs> reserve. They got this. They got that. And, uh, you know, I wasn't, you know, yeah. whatever they say, I, and my mind was locked in at that point. Yeah. I don't care what they say. Yeah, yeah you weren't like, having that. You weren't having that. Yeah. And you controlled the end of that game, Andre. I think mean, you controlled the end of that game. I watched that game and looked at it more like a coach than a UCLA fan. And your ball handling, you had the key buckets that came down the stretch. And, um, you know, you, you, you took control down the stretch to make sure that happened. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's even more it's even more to it, not trying to brag or anything. It's even mm-hmm. more to it, so, um, Denny, because if you listen to Kirk Galley, people don't know, that, you know, don't go back that far. Mm-hmm. You know, Galley is like, was like, you know, the greatest announcer around at the time. Mm-hmm. You pretty much he's yep. doing your game. Yeah, Billy Packer who ended up being right. the mm-hmm. college people of all time as far as college basketball and everything. Announced that game. And one of the things that they were saying is that the control of the game that I was doing is something I had learned. See, these guys today don't understand. See, I know I knew how to do the tempo of the game. Mm-hmm. That's what made me it wasn't all this other, you know, I knew how to read the game, mismatches, the speed of the game, what the other team's trying to do, and control the speed of the game when we need to go fast and when we need to go slow. Plus, Coach Wooden didn't reserve, put a lot of reserves in the game. So this Kentucky team, they got a, a whole bench full of guys they running in there, you know. So you had to play the game a certain way, not just playing, like, mindless. Somebody had to be, like, and Per Gowdy started bringing that out. I mean, McCarter is controlling the tempo to get, you know, and people don't really get into that now, but it's so important. They, like today, the value of what the way I played then in today's game, that's, they look, every coach in the world is looking for a player like that. They can control the tempo, know control when tempo. to run, other teams doing, right. and to know what, how to pinpoint mismatches and how to milk a game. Yeah. See, players, they'll come down and give the ball to, like, just say, like, um, you know, like Dwight Howard or something to the Lakers. They throw the ball into Dwight Howard, and then he scores a bucket, okay? Then they might come down and pull up for a three. Mm-hmm. Cool, but you want to play. But see, me, Andre McCarter is the point guard. No, uh-uh. I'm going to go down there and work that situation with Dwight until they do something about it. Now, they start doubling Dwight because they can't stop him. Sure. And we go plan B. But they don't play basketball. They just – it's more of a random – just go do it type of game now. But back then, that style was um, very helpful in us winning that championship. Yeah, it was. Uh, my producer just made a big play, talking about a big play. She just showed your uh, the last bucket in the wooden era of uh, uh, you going down You know, the middle after you, you stretch them out a little bit, reverse your dribble, and then you go down and score. And so, so, so our fans, you got to see that right now. And it was such a big oh. moment. And then they quickly went over to Coach Wooden with this rolled up you know, program in his hand. And he, it was he, it. yeah, he gave you the double tap where he goes, yep. you know, he has that right. And he goes like, well done, Andre. Well done. And I was like, yeah, well it done. Is. Damn it. That was a championship. 
All right, up next we have the voice of SoFi Stadium and the LA Rams, Sam Lagana. All of these athletic clubs were the foundation of amateur sport right. and the Olympic movement, and so it's really cool that coaches is tied into the LA Athletic Club. I think that's like, it's, that's, it's, that's, in, that's it's amazing, and he was so gracious always. You know, you have the ball here, and yeah, I mean, yeah, talking about his penmanship, right? It's it's exquisite, right? <laughs> and you would, but but he was the most humble, unbelievable guy, right? So to get a ball signed or something like that, people would. You, you know, we'd call them up and say, hey, we need to do this for the Wooden Award. Because we never really, they had not marketed it much. And we needed to do some marketing. We needed to do some things. We needed some balls signed. And so we'd go out there. So I'm sitting at his house one day, and he's got this condo on White Oak. In Encino. Yeah. He's just very, very modest. No, just, really modest. Just who he is. Right. It, it, much of the colors of the booths in this in this uh, fabulous restaurant of Casablanca were, you know, the sofas, that orange sofa, and he's got a chair. But you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you hear this. Outside the sliding glass doors, I'm like, this is my first time in his house. Like, I'm feeling like I'm a young guy at that point, right? And I'm like, Coach, what is, what is that? He's like, oh, it's okay, it's nothing. And I'm like, Coach, what's that noise? And he's like, it's just the UPS guy. So he lived on the alley, and he was on basically what would be kind of a first or second floor but it was above okay. the alley just a little bit so the ups truck would come up and he would just throw the stuff up <laughs> and i'm like what's in this what are you getting well people would mail him or send him mailman would do this postal uh, ups guy fedex guy they would people would send him basketballs they send him stuff to sign please sign this and he would he, i'm like well let me get these off the deck for you and i'd bring them in and, so? and he would sign every one of them just like this such great penmanship. Unbelievable. Thank you for your interest. That's the main reason I brought that was is like his penmanship it is so good. Everyone in me took Always time was. and detail just to sign it. And then finally I would say, like, what are you gonna do with this? He's like, Well, I'm gonna take it to the post office. And I'm like, well, how are you gonna send these things back? Well, I gotta box them up. Oh my he God. would do all this himself. Wow. So once in a while we He's would such a good take guy. those things and take him back and just ship him for him once in a while. But every day, can you imagine he would take him down the elevator to his car, he was, load he, him up. He, 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 was, he, was, he was that. Um, we went to go see him speak at Occidental College, and um, and I took my daughter, and at the time she might have been, you know, she might have only been like six or seven or something. Yeah. And she sat there, like she was not a kid who sat still. And she sat there and was mesmerized by him. He's yeah. like a Buddha or something when he speaks. It's just like, and she went up to talk to him after and showed him like a card she had made to, hey, Coach Wood. And he sat there and talked with her for like five minutes. There's this long line of people that want his autograph, but he was so kind. And he had asked her questions. So now how do you spell your name? Yeah. I was just like, man, what a nice, Always gentle like, person. Just great. One of my, my favorite moments was he called me and said, can you come over? I'm like, okay. I, I'm like, I don't, you know, my trouble. I don't know. You, Jerry, you know, I don't <laughs> know you what's mentioned? going on. But so I go over to the house, and he was around Easter time, and he had gotten Easter bunnies for the girls, my two daughters. Oh. And so they have these Easter bunnies. So like, I will tell you, we still have these Easter bunnies. What a guy. Because like, you know how your kids will collect sure. all of these stuffed animals, but like, I can't part with this. One, I'm a kind of a hoarder, by the way. At least my wife thinks I am. <laughs> but those things are like untouchable. You know, like yeah. John would be went out of his way to give us to, Easter bunnies for the girls. Yeah, like unbelievable. 
So that that's just that's brilliant that you're part of that. All right, we're going to finish off this wooden episode with City Section Hall of Fame sportscaster Randy Rosenblum. Is this around the time that you got to work with Coach Wooden? A little later. Uh, a few years later, jumping forward, I was fortunate enough to get hired to do UCLA basketball. I was actually out of work. No. I went from out of work to the voice of the Bruins on network cable TV. So network cable TV would have been like some kind of cable. USA Network at the time. And the last year I did it with Ann Myers on ESPN. And this is right about when ESPN comes in, maybe? Well, I did. ESPN's 83 or I something. did 82. That was okay, my first wow. year. I did 82. So you're charting new territory. 84, right in there. And, but the first year I was on USA Network. So get this. I do the package. It was a handful of games. Coach Wooden was going to be my color analyst. I get a call from the package. You're going, we've added one game to the package. It's the first game. I go, great. He goes, one thing. It's in Tokyo, Japan. <laughs> I go, I'm in. So they played Temple in Tokyo. Oh, wow. I did half the game play-by-play. The Temple announcer did the other one. The Bruins blew them out in the first half at Yoyogi Gymnasium in Tokyo, Japan. What was it like working with Coach Wooden? Was he um, in coach mode at all, or did he have the distance? Because this is about seven years after he yeah. had been the coach. Uh, fond memories. Uh, one of the things I wanted to do, and I, I wanted to establish it early, that I had respect for the coach. Uh, and I told him, Coach, I'm going to call you Coach on there, but I might call you John at times, and I don't want you to be bothered by that. I just want to change it up a little bit. And he said, no problem with that. Right. And we had a good relationship. Um, he was just another guy in the booth, but I tried to tell myself growing up in Los Angeles, watching all yeah, his championship unreal. teams, He's not just another guy. Not just another guy. But the hardest thing is we would shoot our on cameras on the floor at Pauley Pavine, and we'd go upstairs to do the play-by-play. Sure. We'd do it on top. Well, Coach would start signing autographs. People would start coming up. Uh-oh. And I was the bad guy on all home games. So you had to. I had to yank him out of there, or he would have stood, and we would have missed our – He's so yeah, polite. I mean, but again, He's the, such the, a nice guy when he does that, yeah. Yeah, but our on-camera would have been good because that was on tape already. But, <laughs> but Coach, we got to get upstairs, so I had to do that every time. So, and, and, and the did one, you find him to be a good analyst? I thought he was okay. Again, yeah. I was into my thing. Uh, he, he he had insight, obviously. Um, I've worked with greater color analysts if you're just breaking them down from a broadcast perspective. But heck, he's John he's, he's Robert Wooden. Wooden. That's right. So, Did, was he afraid to be critical of players? I don't remember that. I think he just kind of saw it as the, he the saw side it. of him that I enjoy so much yeah. uh, digging in because we work with the John R. Wooden course right. and with Wooden's wisdom on this podcast. Both both of those groups, and sure. so just digging into his archives and stuff. Some of the clips of him when he gets a little riled up, oh sure, are, are fascinating. He is a competitive oh. guy. You can't do what he did without being competitive. Yet he he'll always talk to you. Say we never mentioned the word win. Right. We always talked about this. Oh wow, did, did, did this guy? He he was a competitive guy. So I just wondering if he just I, like turned it off, or if he I was saw it to, once. Uh, I'm not sure. I really should share the story, but please. I will. <laughs> this will give you some notoriety. The producers wanted – Larry Brown was the head coach of the Bruins yeah. when we were doing the games. Uh, the producers wanted John Wooden to interview coach with coach that we're going to put into the show. Larry Brown turned him down. Oof. So uh, one of the SIDs but, came over he, and co- told the coach, Coach Brown doesn't want to do it. We'll get you an assistant if you want. And, Coach, that wasn't what the producers wanted. 
That's the one time he was irked, and I kind of had to settle him down. Would Larry Brown do that because he's trying to escape the massive shadow that would left over the program? I don't or, believe or Larry that. Brown I was think just Larry Brown was probably distant to the media, even though his brother was big in the media, and no doubt. certainly in later years, Hubie's oh, uh, wow. very big well, in the Larry media. Larry Brown was, was a terrific coach. He's, Everywhere he uh, went, he did nothing but win. And I was upset when UCLA let him go. I felt like he, was, he should have been their guy. And when I interviewed him, because I did interview Larry Brown on a few of the shows, I had no problems with him. I know he'd always slap me on the leg. We'd sit down in the stands. He'd slap me on the good job and see you later. I mean, <laughs> he'd come and go fast. So I could see that maybe you might have a point. Maybe he didn't want to get involved with the aura yeah, of Coach Wood. I aura. could see that. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode with John Wooden. Join us next week for part two. Thanks for watching and listening. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is produced by Christine Jinbo and me, Marley Rice. Directed by Chris M. Alport with studio support from Alpha Command Unit and shot by bad boy Bobby McCall. Original music courtesy of Lennon Music Production and original images courtesy of Sienna Lennon Photography. A big thank you to all of our contributors. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc. You can find us on audio platforms everywhere and the High School Narrative iOS app. You can also view Denny's shows on Roku, Apple TV, and Fire TV. Make sure to press that subscribe button, give us a review, leave a comment. It will really help us grow the show. Hey, you know what else would help us grow the show? Hustle on over to patreon.com slash Denny Lennon to get some never-before-seen videos, pictures, interviews, and more. We are all over social media and constantly sending out clips on Facebook, conducting fun polls on Twitter, going live on Instagram, and more. To find all our social media links, hustle on over to sportsstoriesdl.com. SSDL proudly supports the My Stuff Bags Foundation and the Heroes Movement. The My Stuff Bags Foundation, with the help of thousands of people across the country, provides children in unfortunate situations with new belongings and new hope through its innovative My Stuff Bags program. Heroes Movement is a nonprofit that bridges the gap from therapy to getting strong again through small group workouts for any veteran of the United States Armed Forces for free. Links to how you can support and help these foundations can be found on our website. We want to give a big thank you to our partners of the show. So, as Coach Lennon would say, any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me, Marley, at info at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Sports Stories thanks all of our followers and listeners. And we will, we will see, see you, you next time. time. Hey, thanks, Marley. Thanks, Chris. Hi, I'm your typical raccoon, and I like to wash my hands because I get them all dirty. Now, I'm sitting here waiting for sports stories to come on soon. So listen to me. I'm Ronnie the Raccoon, waiting for sports stories just like you. Kick it out, book! <laughs>